Come on, y'all, and gather around. That is why we come to this town. Good morning, good morning. Can you hear me? Sounds like you can. Okay. Um, if you don't know me, I'm Jane, and I've been at the Beacon Church several years now. I'm married to Ralph down on the front row, and oh, okay. I was going to show you a picture of my family, my little grandkids. Maybe it'll come later. <clears throat> so, as I've just said, I am not singing today. I know it's been a couple of weeks where we've had people up here to sing. Uh, but I am going to be talking to you from Psalm 1. I'm going to be talking about leaf blowers, about fruit, about fertilizer. But first, I want to tell you about a man, a man called Malcolm Hickford. And I would love to be able to show you a picture of him. So if the guys can get a picture of him up on the screen, that would be awesome. <coughs> Actually, Malcolm was known to me as Mr. Hickford because he was my religious studies teacher. I'm not sure if you still call it that now. Somebody? Yep, religious studies teacher. Um, and he was one of those teachers that became absolutely synonymous with the school. Maybe you had one. They'd been there years and years. Yay! There he is. He'd been there years and years, and he taught, as I say, religious studies. He also taught politics. Um, he loved sport. He taught um, all the out-of-hours sport, you know, all the boys' cricket and football. Um, he was a deacon at the local Baptist church, and he ran a youth club there. One of the things about Malcolm that everybody knew about was that he drove a very, very old Ford. It was cream and it had green side wings. Everybody in the town knew Malcolm and they knew his car. On Friday lunchtimes, he ran a Christian club in the needleworks room at my school. And I went along to that because my friends invited me. Actually, also I went along because you got an early pass into lunch. Anyway, so I went along and... Um, it was there one Friday lunchtime in the needlework room where I encountered Jesus for myself and I made a commitment to follow him. And when I get to heaven, I will join a very, very long line of people who want to say thank you to Malcolm. And I really do mean a long line because over his teaching career, Malcolm led hundreds and hundreds of teenagers to Jesus. At the youth club that he ran on Fridays, more teenagers came. They came to play ping pong and drink coke, and more often than not, they left having met with the Savior of the world. If you had met Malcolm, you would have met a very ordinary, very humble man. He had incredibly twinkly eyes and a mischievous grin. And he gave up his time, week in, week out, to teenagers. 
Even his holidays from school, he took kids on Bible camps. Now, when Malcolm died, it wasn't that he was particularly materially prosperous. But at that funeral service, the church was overflowing with people who'd found his life incredibly prosperous. They were grateful-hearted people for whom their lives had been changed forever because of this man. He was prosperous beyond measure, and his legacy lives on. We will come back to Malcolm later, but first we're going to read today's psalm. It's Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff which the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, the Psalms, which come right in the middle, so it's easy to find them, are the Bible's prayers and poems. They're divided into different categories, and this particular psalm is what scholars would call a wisdom psalm. If you want to live a good life, listen up this morning, because this psalm is going to give you some clues as to how to do it. This psalm is telling us that there are two ways to go. It's telling us that there's a righteous way, or a way of the wicked. Jesus told his followers something the same when he was alive. He said there was a narrow way, the way of the righteous, or there was a broad way. We can be pretty certain that Jesus knew this psalm. He knew it off by heart. I'm sure he recited it and sang it because his life echoed this psalm. It's a mirror of his life. It's a pattern for living like Jesus. Jesus is integral to this psalm. This psalm starts with the word blessed. Now, some translations of the Bible, the more modern ones, sometimes translate this word as happy. But actually, scholars who've looked deeply into the root meaning of these words tell us that actually that's not particularly the best translation. Scholars would have us choose to translate this word blessed as contented, at peace with yourself, on an even keel. It doesn't mean having a lot of material stuff, although you might. This morning, is this where you want to sit? Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to be contented? Do you want to have a heart that's at peace with yourself? This psalm has three images right at the beginning. Walking, standing, sitting. It's saying don't walk in the ways of the wicked. 
Don't get in step with people who won't help your life be like Jesus. Don't be led astray down a wide path or influenced by people. And definitely don't sit. That means don't get comfortable. Don't bed yourself in with things that are not going to do you good. When you do that, you lose your compass. You cease to know what's right and what's wrong. And before you know it, you'll be on that wide path, not going the way that Jesus would have you go. I recall being at a large expo. Now, my husband, Ralph, sitting on the front row here, is a marathon runner, for those of you who don't know him. So every so often during the year, we trek off with our bags packed all sorts of places for him to run a race. It always starts the day before the race when you go to one of these. It's an expo. It's where they sell everything and anything to do with running. Shoes, trainers, socks, gel packs, backpacks, holidays, chocolate. That bit's okay. Anyway, they're loud, they're noisy, they're full of people. So this particular one, and I, I think it was Boston, but I can't remember. Uh, Ralph had gone off to register and I was wandering. Didn't particularly want to buy anything in there. It was all to do with running, right? Anyway, right at the back, there was a guy who was selling something with a very loud voice. Have you ever been in one of those market stalls where those market traders are shouting out their wares? He was just like that. From where I was standing, I got no idea what he was selling. But, you know, I was a bit intrigued. So I walk slowly towards the back of the hall. As I get nearer, I realize that what he is selling is cleaner for glasses. Not quite sure that was why that was at an expo for running, but nevertheless. Maybe you need to see when you're running. Anyway. Uh, I got myself closer and closer, and you've guessed it, haven't you? Before too long, tap my card on the gizmo, I'm $20 lighter, and I'm walking away with a little bottle of stuff and a magic cloth that's guaranteed to never, ever, ever leave my glasses smeary again. It doesn't work, but anyway. Hook, line, sinker, walk, stand, sit. You see, the thing is with what the Bible calls sin, the thing with what this psalm is helping us with, is that sin often spins a good story. And sometimes it's hard to know when those things are not going to do us good. So how do we know what's going to do us good? This psalm is a wisdom psalm. It's helping us. It's saying, meditate on God's law. God's law is his Bible, his word. And meditate, well, that just means to think about it, to mull it over. This psalm wants you to know, if you want to be blessed, contented, at ease with yourself, then this is where you start. Like Jesus, if the words of God are deeply integral to your thinking, if you've learned them, if you're continuing to read them, they will become part of you. 
and change your thinking. Changed thinking leads to changed behavior. This is how Jesus kept himself when he was in the wilderness, when he was fasting for 40 days. He fed himself on the Psalms. He fed himself on this Psalm. It reminded him of who he was, of the mission that he'd come to fulfill. It reminded him of what God was saying about him. And if we want to know how to live, then this is where we start. The temptation to walk in the wrong direction, to stand or even sit fully immersed in things that are not going to do us good, is countered by the truth of the Bible. It's like a word whispered in your ear that attaches to your inner compass that pulls you and pushes you back into the right direction. If you'll excuse me, we're going to hop over verse 3 and we'll come back to it. We won't miss it because it's my favorite. We're going to move on to verse 4. Not so the wicked, they're like chaff. What is chaff? Do you know? Anyone know? This is wheat. Inside the wheat kernels is the flour. To get the flour out, you have to bash it. I'm sure in big commercial mills, they do something much more technical, but the process is still the same. The flour comes out, and what you're left with is the outer husk of the wheat. That's chaff. It's rubbish. You throw it away. How does the miller get rid of that? He blows. He has an industrial blower, but he blows, and the chaff blows away. The Hebrew word here for wicked is those who are not worshipping God, those who are not in relationship with him. Remember I told you that I became a Christian in a needlework room. I was 12. I actually hadn't led a particularly wicked life. I don't have a tale of drink or drugs like Lauren Windle or Trudy Makepeace. But what came front and center to me that day as I sat in that room was that I did not know Jesus. I wasn't in relationship with him. I wasn't walking on that narrow path. I thought I was a Christian because I lived in a Christian country. But when Jesus came, it was like my eyes were opened. And it was like God came at that moment as I cried out to him, telling him I was sorry for the way I'd lived. He came and he blew. He blew on me with a leaf blower. Oh, you wanted singing. You're getting blown. The leaf blower... (laughs) They'll settle. I'm going to put it on there. The leaf blower is like the Holy Spirit. His breath comes on us. When he comes, he blows. He blows away the chaff, the rubbish, the stuff in our life that we don't need. 
God has the most remarkable Holy Spirit wind that comes when we are repentant for the things that we've done wrong, when we're repentant for the fact that we don't know him, when we're sorry that we've not been in relationship with him, he comes like that leaf blower. At the end of all time, your life will be weighed and chaff will be blown away. Maybe this morning all you need to hear is, what will you have left? It's often painful to put yourself in in front of the path of the leaf blower. But actually, I've come to love God's Holy Spirit wind when it blows on me when I've come to him in repentance. Because as he blows his forgiveness over me, I know that I'm clean, I'm righteous. It's as if my feet have gone back onto that narrow pathway. When our lives do not echo Jesus' life, what we have is chaff. It's rubbish. Things that are unproductive and not prosperous in our lives. Things that are not fruitful and we need to get rid of them. Now, Jesus' plan for us is not a tick chart. Have you done this? Have you done this? Did you not do this? His focus is not on the negative, but it's on helping us to live in right relationship with him. If you are in this room this morning, or if you're listening to this on YouTube, and you would call yourself a Christian, then there is one more thing that you need to hear from me this morning. Those of us that know Jesus on occasions have a tendency to hover between the chaff and the blessing in the space I'm calling the fudge. We know the things that are not what good would want for us. On the whole, we know those things because we've read them in his word. We know them because he's spoken to us about them before. Some of those things, and they'll be different for all of us, some of those things we really like. We want to keep that chaff. So whatever it is that this morning you are in the process of fudging, I want to ask you which one of these things do you do with it? Do you ignore it, pretend it didn't happen? Pretend it doesn't happen? Do you put it in a compartment so that you don't know it's there? Or do you justify it? Do you tell yourself all the reasons why it's okay for you, it's okay for now, it's okay to do it? I didn't mean it, I can be forgiven. If you do that, you're in the place of the fudge. Prime areas for the fudge include what we do with our money, 
what we watch, what we fantasize, what we dream about, where you feel entitled, where you feel offended by somebody, where you haven't forgiven, perhaps for years. Where you're driven to fit into the consumer culture around you, all those and many more are the fudge. And as the Holy Spirit's wind this morning blows through this room, He wants you to know that you cannot stay in that place if you want to be blessed, if you want to live at peace with yourself. You cannot be there. You cannot stand straddled with one foot on the narrow path and one foot on the broad way. You cannot love both God and yourself. And if God is highlighting one of those areas to you this morning, and you choose to ignore His voice, then what you are doing is in defiance of the living God. And there are serious consequences. I prayed that God would help me to deliver this part of what He asked me to speak this morning. This is not where I would normally want to go, but I believe that there are people in this room, and you want to go on with Jesus. And in fact, if God has plans for our church to grow it and increase it, which He does, then He will always bring people to a place of more holiness before He moves. So, if you want God to move in your life this morning, if you want Him to move in this church, then I believe He's asking you to consider areas where you fudge. Come before Him. Ask to stand in front of His Holy Spirit wind, and allow Him to deal with that area in you. He is powerful. He is just. He will give you the strength. If you need people to stand with you in those things, then get a group, a group around you. Call some guys or women to stand with you, to pray with you. I believe Jesus is asking us this morning to not fudge. He wants both of your feet on his narrow way, walking the walk of the righteous. I believe, as we have time at the end, you'll have opportunity to do some business with God, if that's your area that He's calling you to this morning. I love verse three. A person is like a tree planted by streams of water. Are you planted by Him? Has He transplanted you? Are you now sitting with your feet, with your roots, deep in His water? What an incredible, beautiful place to be! Oh, people of God, are you letting His Scripture wash you day after day? You were made for that deep connection with Him. Your emotions, your soul was made to be connected to Him. This is where you belong. This is where your life is meant to go. When you are in that place, you will be filled. You will be quenched. You will be at rest. You'll be at peace. 
You'll be contented. You will know God. You will find freedom. You will have a purpose. Your life will make a difference. And you will become more like Jesus. Oh, take me there. You see, people planted in God yield fruit. Fruit comes in the shape of the things that we do for God. The Bible calls that our good works. But fruit also comes in the shape of changes he makes in our lives as we surrender to him, as we give up those things from the fudge. Because when we surrender, those are seeds that are planted in us and they produce fruit. In John 15, Jesus tells his disciples that to bear fruit, they need to stay in the vine. They need to stay attached to the tree so that their feet will keep wet in his Holy Spirit. Fruit is an evident change in your character. It's your life being advanced with God. You're becoming more like Jesus. This morning, he's asking you, have you got any fruit? Have you got any fruit this morning? Can you honestly audit your life and say, I've moved on with him? I'm not talking about a testimony from 10 years ago. I'm asking you what God is doing in your life right now, this week, with the people that you work with, the people that are closest to you. Do they see your fruit? Do they see your character being changed in him? Do you need to show them who Jesus is because of who you are? Are people coming to know him because of you? Are people coming to know him better because of you? Because that's fruit. Have you got any fruit? My teacher Malcolm had so much fruit. His life looked like Jesus. He talked like Jesus. He acted like Jesus. And that's why people came to him, because they could see he had something they wanted. Maybe your fruit won't be running a youth club or having teenagers come to know Jesus because of you. But you need fruit. Whatever that fruit is that God has planted in you. You see, our psalm tells us that to be planted is to grow. To know Jesus is to yield fruit in season. When the farmer walks around his trees, he's looking for signs of growth. He's looking at his trees and he's saying, have you got any fruit? Jesus told a story about a farmer and a fig tree. And the fig tree wasn't growing figs. If you want to find this story for yourself, you can look at it in Luke chapter 13. I'm going to just tell it the way I see it. Jesus said, a man had a fig tree and he planted it in his front garden. He came to it expecting to find figs but there weren't any so here's a very lucky man who had a gardener and he said to his gardener hey gardener what's going on here is this or is this not a fig tree I've come to this tree week in week out and there are no figs 
Why are we wasting ground with this? Let's chop it down. But the gardener said, Let's give it a bit longer. I will dig around its roots. I will fertilize it. And maybe it will produce fruit next year. If it doesn't, then we will chop it down. The gardener, the farmer, was all for chopping down the tree. But the gardener in Jesus' story said, Wait, not so quick. I will fertilize it. Can you guess who the gardener is in Jesus' story? You see, Jesus is not quick to cut down trees that haven't produced fruit. But he is expecting fruit. So he spreads muck, fertilizer, and he carefully digs it in to our lives. Perhaps the band would like to come back as I conclude my story. You see, Jesus wants our lives to be fruitful. He wants our lives to look like his, like a tree planted and yielding fruit. So in his great mercy, when a tree isn't producing much fruit, he comes tenderly over time to work in us. Sometimes Jesus' work in us is dramatic and instantaneous, and maybe you've had one of those encounters with him. But often his work is slow and time-consuming, and it's done over years. You see, fertilizer or manure is full of microbiotic life, and its job is to break down the hardness in soil so that the soil, so that the roots can go deep into the soil and get their feet wet. Because it's only when you are watered by Jesus can you produce good fruit. You see, manure is the stuff of resurrection. It brings that which was dead to life. This is what Jesus the gardener does to us to make our lives fruitful and prosperous. And it's a process that he's working in all of his children. Maybe you were here a few months ago when Tanya and Nad came to speak to us. They talked of their daughter Natasha's terrible death. Something that Nad said has played over and over in my mind. He said he wasn't a believer in Jesus when Natasha died. But in the early weeks of grief, he went to the church that she had been going to. He sat in a pew, and as they sang and spoke and read God's word, he said the water of that washed over him. He didn't know Jesus, but Jesus' water washed him. God's beautiful manure. If you want that beautiful manure, you need to be saturated in him. Nad said he was saturated in the war, in the word of God until it birthed something in him.
And if you were here, then you will recall what incredible fruit that man has had in his life. A bit like my teacher Malcolm. And if this is you this morning, if you are sitting here and you don't yet know Jesus, you don't yet know the gentle gardener who's not quick to cut down an unfruitful tree, I'd ask you to look at him again. Speak to the people that you've come with, or I will love to speak to you afterwards. Let his fertilizer be worked into you so that you can be transplanted into a place where your feet will get wet in you. And you will be blessed and you will be prosperous. But maybe this morning you are sitting in this room and you do know Jesus and something I have said has echoed with you. Do you have any chaff? The Bible calls chaff sin. The things that we do, that we know aren't doing us good, that God is pointing at. Do you have any chance? Jesus is gentle and careful and a gardener who is tender to come and blow over you as you bring your repentance to him. It might involve his leaf blower turning over the soil but it will let his spirit water your roots and you will become fruitful if you're in that place of the fudge the ball is in your court if you need to do business with Jesus about that this is a great time maybe this morning Jesus is saying to you do you have any fruit Are you living a life that looks and sounds like Jesus? Like Jesus in this psalm. Beautiful, watered, producing fruit. Are you a tree that is planted by a stream of living water? I do hope so. Would you allow me to pray for you before the band come to sing? Jesus, thank you that you are the amazing, gentle gardener. And you have a plan for each and every person in this room. You long to blow away their chaff. And you long to water and fertilize them. Come now, Holy Spirit. Blow over us. growing deep beautiful fruit in you hey guys before you go we just want to say a massive thank you for watching this video today my name's chris i'm part of the leadership team here at the beacon church you know as a church we have a big vision we believe that we exist to help people to know god to find freedom to discover their purpose and to make a difference If this video has made a difference in your life today, then make sure you check out our other content in our playlist. We believe it's going to really help you out. And don't forget to like and subscribe as you go. Well, that's all from me today. Take care. God bless.